week and at this moment. But we're going to talk about Auburn today. Again, there are plenty going on in the rest of the sport. This is an Auburn-focused show, so that is where we will be locked in on. Because we've got plenty to talk about. It's been two weeks since I've been on air. As the intro said, I am Carson Horn. I am super glad to be back on air. Auburn defeated Sanford 45-13 on Saturday. That finished up non-conference play. Auburn is 3-0, heading to College Station this weekend for an 11 a.m. kickoff. I'll have a full preview and breakdown of that game. And yes, if we have time left over, I will try to pick some games this weekend in what is a phenomenal slate of college football games. But let's dive into this Sanford game. As I mentioned, Auburn got the win on Saturday night in Jordan-Hare Stadium, the first night game of the year. I had the uh, privilege of, of being a student, being in the student section. I was not covering this game, and it was a great environment. It was homecoming, but it was a better crowd than typical homecomings have been. You can certainly see there's optimism in this program once again, and the Auburn fans are bought in. So Auburn came out into this game. If you're watching it, you know what happened. Auburn drives down the field in their first drive. They get to the one-yard line. They, they throw their way down the field, and we'll talk about that in a second. They get down there, though, to the goal line, then, then end up throwing an interception, turns it o- turn it over, and into the first quarter, it is 0-0. Zero to zero. So there's some frustration there. Auburn only had one full possession. They had the ball to start the second quarter. They were on their second possession. But nonetheless, you never want to be 0-0 zero to zero with Sanford at, at any point after, uh, besides kickoff. So, therefore, there was some frustration. Auburn, though, would go on to really dominate the game, as I mentioned, 145-13. to 13. The score really doesn't reflect the game. It, it really should have ended up being a 50-something to, to 7 or, or, or so game, similar to the UMass game. Auburn did control it, and there were plenty of positive. But I, I finished this game, and I was, I was just kind of like, man, I, I didn't feel good about it. But I realized I was in the minority, and the, and the more I thought about it, the more positive I think I am now towards the game than I was in the during and the immediate aftermath. I'm not sure. I guess being in the student section, being uh, seeing it from from that perspective, maybe maybe I put it in a more negative, saw it in a more negative way, and I also think it's and this is the case for me, and I think it's the case for a lot of fans when you are watching a game against a lesser opponent like Sanford, like UMass, you you're really only going to feel negative because the only way you're going to feel positive about it is if you play perfectly, pretty much, because you're like, well, it's a lesser competition. The fact of the matter is, if you're, and especially I should know this as a, as a former athlete, it doesn't matter the opponent. It is very hard against air, just uh, against your team to, to play perfectly. That's still an opponent on the other side. So no matter if they're less talented than you, they're still college athletes at the end of the day, and they're not going to allow you to do everything perfectly. And so that's what I had to remember. And so after I thought about it, spent some more time breaking it down, looking at stats, I came to a more positive view of the game. So I want to break down, though, what was positive about it and, though, and talk about some of the negatives that, that stood out uh, to me. The first thing is after the Cal, uh, Cal game, again, I wasn't on air last week, I had plenty of plenty of thoughts on that game. I didn't get to share them. Not going to go back at this point. But 
Auburn was unable to really get the passing game going, really offense at all. So a focal point going into this game was we've got to throw the ball. And boy, did Auburn ever. On, on that first drive, I think Peyton Thorne threw it 10 times and got down to the red zone and got to the one-yard line. The thought process was, and I got it, before this interception happened, we want to try to pass the ball because we're not necessarily in the SEC going to just be able to run it in in the red zone against SEC opponents. So they tried two different uh, passes, fade routes to Shane Hooks. It didn't work. So then they're like, okay, third, third goal, third and goal from one, we'll just punch it in now. Well, then you got a false start, pushes you back to the six, and then you're forced to throw it. So they didn't turn out well, and that's why that possession ended up an, in, in an interception. However, the passing game as a whole was a, a positive, absolutely, in this game. And I'm going to play some audio here from Hugh Freeze on Peyton Thorne's performance in this, in this game. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, you know, I mean, what was he? Pretty good percentage completions. Um, you know, I thought the interception in the end zone, um, you know, was that a great decision? It did hit our guy on, on the shoulder pad, it looked like. I'll have to see it on the film. But, um, you know, the, the next one was a poor decision. But uh, he had the shallow wide open and um, should have should have checked it down to that. But outside of that, I thought he played really solid. I think it's the first time since like 2013 that Auburn's had a quarterback that rushed for 100 yards and threw for over 200. So I, I thought he had a solid day. But yeah, the plan is was to I, I absolutely we've got to get more confidence in us being a balanced offense, and that was the goal. So Hugh Freeze said it there: the goal is to get to a more balanced offense and the team was aggressive in throwing the football, and he called Peyton Thorne's performance really solid. Again, you take out the interceptions, it was one of the best performances we've seen from an Auburn quarterback in a long time, no matter the opponent. In fact, and Hugh Freeze talked about this later in the press conference, Peyton Thorne could have been the only quarterback in Auburn history to throw for 300 and rush for over 100. Hugh Freeze said if he had known that, he probably would have kept him in the game because I think he was like 16 yards short of getting a 300 yards passing. So the I thought, now Hugh Freeze said on that first interception that it hit the receiver. It doesn't matter. He shouldn't have thrown that ball there. That that window really was not open, in, in my opinion. The second one, he agreed He agreed uh, that it that was a, a dumb decision by Peyton Thorne to throw that one. He had the check down, was just trying to make too much happen. But again, a really solid performance. Hopefully that is a confidence builder for Peyton Thorne moving forward because if Auburn's going to have what what many fans would deem a successful season, Peyton Thorne's going to need to play at a high level, and Auburn's offense can absolutely not be one-dimensional. But also what Peyton Thorne did with his legs. I talked about when, when Auburn got him that he would offer the ability to still run the football. No, he's not Robbie Ashford with his legs. However, he is still a talented runner, and he can make things happen. Did he look better against lesser athletes at Sanford? No offense to Sanford. Yes. But he still is a good athlete. He can extend plays. He can make things happen in the RPO game. And the defense is going to have to plan on defending him, running the ball as well. So it was good to see that from Peyton Thorne. So overall, he had a, as Hugh Freeze put it, a really solid outing and hopefully will continue to build on that. And then the receivers. I'm going through positives now. The receivers I thought were positive 
in this game. Ten different guys have receptions. Jay Fair had another great night. You're seeing who the top targets are now. And I think it's pretty obvious. It's Jay Fair. He went seven receptions, 93 yards. Shane Hooks is the other top target. Three receptions, 47 yards, and a touchdown. And then I'm going to include Rivaldo Fairweather in this. He is a tight end, but he is a pass-catching tight end. He also had a good night. He had a phenomenal catch uh, on a deep shot that was just short of a touchdown. A 41-yard reception. He had five receptions total for 57 yards. Auburn has playmakers. Rivaldo Fairweather is a playmaker. Shane Hooks is a playmaker. Jay Fair is a playmaker. There is talent in this receiving room for the Tigers, and that's not something we've been able to say in, in the past. They have weapons, and they're going to have to be utilized even more moving forward, but it was good to see getting them involved and, again, getting the whole, really the whole receiver room involved as a whole. As I mentioned, over 10 guys with a reception in this game was great to see. And then the secondary, that was a positive. I'll talk about injuries just in a second, but the secondary has been one of the positions that has been hit hardest by injuries, yet they continue to play at a high level. How about Caleb Wooden? He was out for the first game. He he did play some against Cal, and then he had a great game at, at safety in this one. But again, DJ James being the veteran, continuing to play well. Kay and Lee being the true freshman, made his third straight start, played extremely well. They Sanford runs uh, runs an air raid offense. The secondary had no trouble with it at all. They tackled extremely well, especially on screen plays. So very, very excited about this group. Again, they are young. That will make me nervous. It will continue to make me nervous going into SEC play. But they've alleviated some of that because of the level they played at, no matter the competition. And then just the defense as a whole. Look, I'm still concerned about this defense. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't have any concerns about this defense at all. I do. But overall, I cannot complain, though, for especially how they handle Cal and then to come into Sanford. They gave up two touchdowns, really, was only should have only been one. Had the muff punt that gave Sanford like a less than 10 yards to go to the end zone. So I think the defense absolutely is a positive. As for the negatives, the run game. Now, the way Sanford was playing, they they were keeping their safeties at like 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. I mean, they were playing them really, really low. They are putting 6 to 7 in the box. So I, I, I get that, but still, even with the numbers advantage that Sanford may have had, I would have liked to seen have seen the run game perform better. Also on the goal line, come on now, is Sanford punch it in. The inability to do that does give me some concern. Overall, this offensive line has been better, and I, I saw some hot takes out there that offensive line is no better than last year. That's false. I, I've seen enough to know it's better than last year. It is, it, is, it is not elite. You couldn't expect it to be elite. It is better than last year's team, so, so leave me with that. Uh, I, I, I don't like that take at all, but I do want to see better performance from the O-line in the run game. The turnovers, absolutely a negative. Seven turnovers in the last two games. That's not going to cut it in SEC play, especially in games where you may be outmatched. That has to get cleaned up. The interceptions can't happen. The muff punts cannot happen. Fumbles cannot happen for this Auburn team moving forward. 
and that was one of the reasons I think I I felt negative in the immediate aftermath of the game is because of the turnovers. Because you want to see a clean game against someone like Sanford, so to have three turnovers very easily could have been four. It doesn't make you feel great. That needs to improve moving forward. On the defensive side of the ball, the lack of pressure is a concern. It was a concern for me going into the season. It's still a concern for me. Can't let quarterbacks in the SEC sit back there all day. The secondary's playing really well, as I mentioned, but they're not going to be able to defend for six, seven seconds, and you can't get pressure on the quarterback. And then if you can't with just your defensive line, then you've got to start sending blitzes. That's going to leave holes in the secondary for receivers to get open, and that's a concern for me. And then the defense also, this is why I said despite not giving up many points, and and they deserve praise for that, the defense cannot stop really any team with just a base defense. What I mean is the defense can't be bland and just line up with, you know, a 3-4 or a 4-3 and just go out there and stop the opposing offense, no matter who the competition is. They have to send blitzes. They have to do different things, have to mix things up, which is fine. And I'm glad that Ron Roberts is doing this because you do what you have to do to win. But I don't like it in the point that when you ha- when you start blitzing, you open up other things. When you change up your alignment, you, you it means you're going to be weak on, a, on another end. So that's not ideal. It is what Auburn's having to do. But at some point, it's going to cost them, and it could start costing them this week in SEC play. So those were the positives. Those were the negatives. Minus one, when we return, I'll talk about injuries, and I'll ask a question that I ask on social media about this Auburn team moving in to SEC play. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. We will be back in just a second after this break to talk plenty more of Auburn football. Association and this station. Welcome back to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So as I mentioned, the injuries are a concern for me, a big time concern. Because of where the roster is, and and like I'm like I've said plenty of times, Hugh Freeze and staff did the best they could. They did a great job getting this roster to the level it's at. But it's going to take more time to get quality depth. And so, therefore, Auburn doesn't have a lot of quality depth that is at SEC level. So injuries are an even bigger deal for this Tigers team. And, unfortunately, there are a lot of them right now. Cam Stutz is banged up on the offensive line. Nehemiah Pritchett has yet to play this year. Donovan Kaufman missed the last game. Deontay Scott went out with an injury. Savion Miller went out with an injury against Sanford. Jalen McLeod has played some, but barely any to make a difference because he's been banged up. Javarius Johnson has been banged up. And then Luke Deal went out with an injury. Jarquez Hunter was also banged up in this game against Sanford. That's a lot of players, and that's a lot of key players. Now some, and I would say maybe even the majority of that list, will still play on Saturday, but some will not. And the ones that do play, how close to 100% will they be? That I don't know. So that's why I'm very much concerned about these injuries, especially Keontae Scott, especially Cam Sutton and Xavion Miller on the offensive line. 
those are big ones. Donovan Kaufman, we see that Auburn may not win that game against Cal without Donovan Kaufman. So absolutely need him back as well. I mean, again, all these guys are extremely valuable to this team. So no doubt that is a concern of mine moving forward. Again, not going to speculate. I don't know how the severity of these injuries are. No one at this point, three games into the season, is feeling their best. Everyone's a little bit banged up. There's some stuff, though, that actually hinders your performance, and these are injuries, it looks like, with these guys that are uh, going to be a hindrance to them moving, moving forward. So some will be able to battle through and still play. Some will not because of, the, because of the severity. So we'll see how it all plays out. That is a, a negative, you could argue the biggest negative, that uh, heading in to conference play. So that brings up the question, has your opinion changed on this team after non-conference play heading into SEC play finally? I think for some it probably has, some it hasn't. For me, it has not. However, let's see what Hugh Freeze has to say about it. You know, I, I'm always wanting to improve. I just there's there's just uh, there's times that we we don't play great fundamental football, and those plays I know will haunt us. And uh, so I want to get rid of those. But I'm very pleased with the kids. I love being around them. I love the group of kids and coaches, and I think they are enjoying, you know, the journey we're on. Um, you know, you're going to get tested here real quick with the A&M and Georgia and LSU coming up. I believe that's the next three, if my memory's right. And, you know, it'll test all of us. And we're, we're very young in our journey. And how we handle both successes and failures, I think, will be vital. So I think that was a great, honest response from Hugh Freeze. Now, he didn't answer that question directly. That wasn't the question that was posed to him. But I think his comments let you into where he thinks this uh, team stands, where this program's at at the moment. The expectations aren't, aren't to win the SEC West, as I mentioned in the intro. His expectations aren't to win a national championship. The expectations are to improve every week and continue to build this program in the right direction so really we'll find out uh, what this team as he mentioned what this team is all about in these next three SEC games it's unlikely that Auburn will be favored in any of them they shouldn't be they're definitely not favored this weekend against Texas A&M won't be favored at home against Georgia and uh, won't be favored on the road against LSU after the bye week either very real chance that this team goes 0-3 0-3 in these next three games. But do you, do you feel any better as a fan? My expectations have not changed after these three non-conference games. It has been, honestly, about what, what I expected to see. Um, Peyton Thorne has been about what I expected from him. Uh, the, the defense has... Defense, honestly, you could, you could argue has been a little bit better, I think, than people expected. But as I mentioned... I'm still not sold on the defense. The run game, the UMass game was great. The run game has not been as good, maybe as as I had hoped for it to be. But I still, I, I'm sticking my by by my prediction of seven and five. If if I were to change it, honestly, I'd change it more based on the way the rest of the conference has looked, meaning the SEC as a whole, more so than changing it based off 
of Auburn. But again, we're going to find out a lot this week against Texas A&M. We're going to find out a lot against Georgia, and we'll find out even more against LSU. If Auburn can pull off and win one of those games, then then I'd say that's a success because the expectation is to lose all three. But this team can compete. I, I am sold on that. I believe they can compete with all three of these teams. They also have the ability to get blown out by all three of these teams. If they turn the ball over, if they play sloppy, if the defense can't stop the run, the things that I mentioned as negatives, if those things occur, then yes, Auburn can definitely lose these games. But with that being said, let's dive in now and start talking about Texas A&M because that is the game that is coming up on Saturday. It's an 11 o'clock kickoff that usually bodes well for the underdog, especially when you're on the road. It bodes well for 11 a.m. kick. We'll see how how things go for the Tigers in College Station. Auburn's had a lot of success in College Station since Texas A&M moved into the SEC. For a while there, it was going back and forth where the road team was always winning in this series. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. But I want you to get out of your mind first the Texas A&M of the past. A&M's still figuring things out themselves. They still are unsure what they're going to be this year. But they're not the same team that we've seen the past few years. They are a much better team offensively. We all know, if you pay attention in college football, that Bobby Petrino is now the OC at Texas A&M. Yes, Jimbo Fisher relinquished play-calling duty as far as we know, and Bobby Trino has taken over. A&M now averages 40 points per game. That's the sixth best in college football. I I don't care who the opponent is. A&M d- couldn't hardly put up 40 points a game against the, the weakest of opponents last season. That is no doubt an improvement offensively. They are a lot better of an offensive team. But shockingly enough, their defense has been what has been a question mark for them this year, and that has been a strength in the past led by D.J. Durkin. The Aggies are 2-1 and one this year. They lost down in Miami to Miami. That was what got Texas A&M fans riled up again and starting to question, will Jimbo Fisher make it through this season? I tend to think that A&M is still a very good football team. I really do. We know the talents there. That's never been the question for the Aggies. It's been their performance and playing up to the level of their talent. And so far, during Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher's time in College Station, they've not done that. But let's dive into the scouting report for this Ole Miss offense. Quarterback Connor uh, Wigman is back for his sophomore season. He is a much-improved quarterback. We knew last year as a true freshman that he was very talented. He came into Jordan-Hare Stadium late in the season and the environment got to him. He he did not have a very good game, through, uh, turned it over multiple times. He is a very good quarterback. He, he is much rather stay in the pocket and deliver passes, but he can use his legs if he has to. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC this season, in my opinion. At running back, they've got a junior in Amari Daniels who's leading the team in rushing. You also, you'll also see five-star True freshman Reuben Owens in there, and then you'll see sophomore Le'Veon Moss. All three talented running backs can make things happen on the ground. At wide receiver, I would argue this is their biggest strength of their team. Anaya Smith is back. 
one of the best all-around players in college football. You'll see him at running back some. You'll see him at receiver. They have to get the ball in his hands. They know this, and they will. He is going to be a key for Auburn's defense to slow down if they want to win this Saturday. Evan Stewart is a five-star receiver, played last year. Big, physical receiver, going to be uh, tough to stop. He did miss last game with an injury. We'll see if he's able to go, but if he's able to go another guy, that'll be a challenge for the secondary of Auburn that has performed well. And they have another guy, Moose Muhammad, who's also been there, also a solid receiver for them. Their offensive line, and this, and this is where I'm concerned because I'm, not, I'm still not sold on this Auburn defensive line, Texas A&M's offensive line, returned. they returned everyone from last year. This is a talented group. This is a strong group. They should be one of the better offensive lines in the country. I do not believe they've given up a sack so far this year, so they are playing at a high level. They're big. They're physical. Auburn's defensive line is going to have to bring their A game. So how does Auburn's defense attack? Uh, how will Texas A&M attack Auburn? That's a little unknown. I'm still a little bit unsure exactly. So far this season, A&M's offense has been 60-40 pass to run. That's not really what you think of when you think of Bobby Petrino, more power run game, play action off of that. They're still going to do plenty of that. But so far, they've passed more than they've run by a decent margin. I'm not sure that's going to be the case, though, this weekend. I believe that they can run the ball and they can find success running the ball against this Auburn defense, they will do that. You're going to see lots of movement. You're going to see lots of motion trying to get the defense in positions that's going to benefit the the offense the most. As I mentioned, they've thrown the ball a ton. They've thrown the ball over 30 times, uh, including over 50 times against Miami. I would not expect that Saturday at all. The Miami game kind of called for that. It turned into a shootout. Would not expect that at all. Again, I expect them to try to exploit this Auburn run defense because Auburn more than likely is going to have to send blitzes. It's going to have to load the box. I look for them to try to run the ball and then look to exploit some matchups, possibly some man-to-man matchups that they can get in the secondary with their talented receiving core. That's what I think you'll see. From this A&M offense, I do think it's going to be different than maybe what you've seen so far from, from A&M this season. But we'll see. That That's my best guess, though, based on watching film, thinking about A&M's strengths versus this Auburn defense weaknesses. That's what I would go with. We've got to get our second break in. When we return, though, we'll dive into how Auburn should defend A&M as well as what to expect from Auburn's offense against this A&M defense. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So what are the keys for this Auburn defense in this game? Look, as I mentioned, they have played well in these first three games. Can they continue that? I'm not overly optimistic. Again, competition is going to improve. But if they are to continue the streak of playing really good football, it starts with stopping the run first. Against pretty much in the everyone in the SEC, it starts with stopping the run. If you cannot stop the run in the SEC, you're not going to have a lot of success defensively. So that's number one. Number two, be aggressive. 
That's going to be the identity of this defense. That's the way Ron Roberts likes to play. And with this team this year, you don't have a ton to lose. Look, there's not high expectations. You're an underdog. Be aggressive. Try to force some turnovers. If you can win the turnover battle, you can pull off the upset. So be aggressive. Got to get to Connor Wigman in the pocket. Come up with some sacks. Force him to force him to get out of rhythm. Make some errant throws and see what happens defensively. So it, it may cost you. They may hit some passes downfield. If they do, hats off to them. They, they have the talent to do that, but I think Auburn has to play aggressive, and they have to stop the run. Those are my keys defensively. So now let's talk about A&M's defensive line and how the defensive uh, front and how Auburn should attack this A&M defense. So their defensive line, starting with them, very much like their offensive line. It's talented. Is it, it is experienced. It is returning. They got McKinley Jackson, who is a preseason All-SEC guy, but Shamar Turner has really been the guy who has stood out for them so far this season. He already has three sacks. Their linebacker room is where there is a little bit of weakness on this team defensively and their secondary. So their linebacker room is inexperienced, uh, and, it, and it is young. They did lose. Uh, everyone from last year pretty much there in that linebacker room. Then their defensive back room. They played better this week against ULM. They were atrocious against Miami. They had they have Damani Richardson in there who is preseason all SEC as well. But man, they like I said, they were bad, bad against Miami. I went back and watched that game. The tackling was horrendous. The coverage was horrendous. I don't expect them to play that bad again, but maybe that that defensive back room is something that this Auburn offense can exploit this weekend. As far as how they will defend, they run a 4-2 defense, meaning they're going to have four down linemen, two linebackers. I fully expect them to still want to stop the run first. The thing is, Auburn has shown strength now in the passing game because of the way they threw the ball against Sanford. It's so odd for me to say, but the defenses honestly have a have a little bit of a choice to make. They can't necessarily sell out completely against the run. A&M can't necessarily do that either because of their secondary and how they have struggled. However, I do expect them to try to stop the run first, but I don't think they're going to load the box. Again, because Auburn's shown the ability to throw the ball, because Auburn has shown the ability because A&M's defense, and especially secondary, has struggled, I don't think they can afford to load the box. If Auburn cannot run, though, against A&M's base defense, that's not going to be good. If they can force A&M to load the box, then that can open up more things in the passing game, in the RPO game. That's going to be very good news for this Auburn offense. I also expect them, to, though, to be aggressive if they can force Auburn in third and longs against Peyton Thorne because he has thrown some picks, because he's turned the ball over this season. I expect them to try to force him into turnovers. Look, Peyton Thorne's not an inexperienced guy. He, he's played multiple years at Michigan State. He has played in road environments. College Station's going to be one of the tougher ones he has played in, though, this weekend, even with an 11 a.m. kick. It's going to be loud. I expect them to try to put pressure on him and force him to make mistakes. So how do I expect Auburn to attack this A&M defense? I think it will start with the run game. Despite how Auburn attacked this weekend, 
this past weekend against Sanford trying to get the passing game going. In the end, this is a team that wants to be run first. So I expect them to try to get the run game back going. Again, you're going to mix in the RPO. Maybe maybe Peyton Thorne running it some will help open up Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, Jeremiah Cobb, uh, Brian Batte to get going. And then attack the secondary. As I mentioned, Jay Fair, Shane Hooks, Rivaldo Fairweather, those guys are weapons for this Auburn offense. Take advantage of them. Find the weaknesses in this Texas A&M secondary and attack it. Attack it, attack it, attack it. And see what happens. See if you can hit some big plays and make some things happen. So with all that being said, breaking it down, each position, offensively, defensively, how does Auburn pull off the upset? Number one, it starts with playing a clean game. If Auburn's going to pull off the upset this weekend, they cannot turn the ball over. As I mentioned earlier, seven turnovers in the last two games. That's not how you win many SEC games, especially not how you're going to win games against teams that are more talented than you. Penalties also are a part of that. A lot of penalties against Cal, not a ton of penalties uh, in Game 1, not a ton of penalties this past weekend against Sanford. Play clean. It's going to be loud. False starts, pre-snap penalties, those are killers. Those are killers for drives. Can't happen. Also for Auburn, I don't think this game can turn into a shootout and be beneficial for Auburn. I don't think this, this offense, this team is built for that. I don't really think A&M is either, but I would give them the advantage if this game was to turn in turn into that. I don't expect it to in any sort of form. A&M's already played a shootout with Miami. I, I don't see that happening. Also, and this is going to sound weird, I think Auburn needs to control the clock. I really do. That doesn't mean you don't go tempo. I think you do. But if you can get first downs, and with the new rules in college football, the clock keeps running, if you can have a six- to eight-minute drive and keep the ball from A&M to keep your defense off the field, I think lessening possessions in this game could be important for Auburn. Again, I, it sounds weird with A&M because of the way their offense has been in the past, but I do think their offense is pretty good this year, so lessening the possessions that you give to them could be, could be key. Then defensively, I've already mentioned it. Stop the run, limit the big plays, and force them to stay behind the chains by creating havoc, Eugene Asante, uh, getting getting pressure, Dominic Kaufman, to see if he's able to play, making things happen. That's how Auburn's going to pull off the upset. Easier said than done. I expect this to be a competitive game. I, I think Auburn has, has enough talent to go into College Station and win this game. For my prediction, though, I, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to predict it. I, I think A&M will, in the end, pull this one out. But I think it is it is going to be close. I'm just not confident enough in in this in this Auburn team to go into College Station. I think this 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 A&M offense is going to expose some holes in the Auburn defense that have not quite yet uh, been exploited because of the talent. I I think with the wideouts A&M has, when Auburn has to be aggressive below the box, eventually. This secondary will get beat as good as they've been, as talented as they've been. In the end, 
they're still going to make some mistakes. It's just how how it's going to be. So I think A&M wins this game. I do think it's going to be close. I don't have a, uh, a score prediction I'm real confident in, but I think the Aggies will win this one. But if Auburn is to pull off the upset, it'll be, I expect the things that I mentioned will have to happen for the Tigers to win this game. Certainly hope I'm wrong on this one. But again, it, it all goes back to talent, in my opinion. It really does. And A&M is one of the most talented rosters in college football. And I know that you'll argue it didn't matter last year, and you're right. It did not. Auburn's roster last year was less talented than it is this season. But A&M's figured some things out. They're no longer running in an inept offense out there in College Station. They still have issues. Don't get me wrong. That defense is still an issue for them. But I think they're able to score enough points to make up for it uh, this weekend at least. With that, we will head to our final break. And when we return for our final segment, I'll dive into some predictions for what is a loaded slate of college football. So stay Welcome back to our final segment of Talking Tumors. And we're just going to talk a little football in general because this week is absolutely loaded. I'm actually glad Auburn is on the road this weekend because that allows me to watch college football all day, not to have to miss any of these games. Uh, because, again, it's nothing nothing beats a Saturday in Jordan-Hare Stadium, but it is nice to not have to miss any games because, obviously, it takes a, a lot of time to be in the stadium and to be, be, away from, be away from the TV. So it is nice when you get these weeks that you can just watch college football and Auburn being on the road hit on what could end up being the best weekend of the, of the year for college football. And it starts with another 11 a.m. kickoff, and that is Florida State at Clemson. Going into this season, this game was one that was big-time circle for the ACC. It is subsided a little bit just because, well, Clemson lost to Duke in week one. They don't look like the typical elite team of the past that we're used to expecting from Clemson. Of course, Florida State beat LSU in week one, and they look to be every bit of a college football playoff contender as well as a favorite now to win the ACC, but they've got to go into Death Valley. No, this doesn't look like the Clemson of old, but going into Death Valley is not going to be easy. I I don't expect the same Clemson team that we saw against Duke. Florida State had a little bit of a letdown this past week against Boston College, but They did squeak by with the win. That's all that matters for them. But in the end, I'm siding with talent. FSU, Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, former Peyton Thorne teammate at Michigan State. This FSU team just has more weapons than than Clemson does. And in the end, I like Florida State. A lot of people thought this would be one of two matchups. This will be a second ACC loss for Clemson if they lose this one. So at this point, it would be unlikely for them to make it to the ACC championship game. But I like FSU. I think it'll be close because it's a home game for Clemson. But I'm going Florida State in this one. Then Ole Miss and Alabama. Now this one's a fun one to predict. It's fun because it gives me a chance to talk about Alabama for a second. And honestly, I don't know what in the world is going on in Tuscaloosa. Really, in my lifetime, I'm never, I mean, truly, in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like it because from the moment I've been able to comprehend Alabama football, it's been domination. To see them struggle 
at this level is, is shocking and is mind-blowing to me. I, I knew it was possible because I knew it had happened. I've been told that it, it, it's happened before. They've been bad before. But, but man, I, I mean, to only win 17-3 to against USF, and they've got plenty of issues there. But I, I caution all Auburn fans out there, including myself, this is still an extremely talented roster. They can still get fi- things figured out. There's still a very good chance that they still win the SEC West. Honestly, I might still have them predicted to win the SEC West. But they've got to beat Ole Miss this weekend. A lot, a lot of people are going to pick Ole Miss. I'm not going to do it. Not, I, I've still, I'm still bought in that not, not to Alabama being a national championship contender at this point, but I still think Alabama is still a very good team when they get everything put together. I fully expect Jalen Milrow to be back at quarterback for the tie this weekend. I think you saw that he does give them the best chance to win, despite despite everything. Uh, else that and he has flaws no doubt but I still think he gives Bama the best chance to win I think this will be a close one Ole Miss looks good offensively like always Jackson Dart looks really good this year he looks improved from last season they've got all the they've got plenty of weapons out wide at running back Quinchon Judkins missed the game against Georgia Tech they're going to need him against Alabama but I like the tide I think it will be a close one but I do think Alabama pulls this one out at home then UCLA at Utah, a Pac-12 game. So, you know, this is SEC country. You may not have watched a ton of Pac-12 this year. But Utah in the Pac-12 as a whole is having a fantastic year. If Cam Rising can't go this weekend for Utah, I'm picking UCLA. Although Utah beat Florida, and they 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 beat Baylor. They've gone undefeated with backup quarterback. Chip Kelly coming in there is going to be tough if Cam Rising can't go. That is the, the typical starting quarterback for Utah. I tend to think he will go this week, so I'm going to go Utes in this one over the Bruins. Then how about the story of college football this year? Colorado and Deion Sanders, they're 3-0 coming off the win in double OT against Colorado State. But now it's time to play the big boys. They play Oregon and they play USC these next two weeks. Colorado has already exceeded my expectations for them. I knew they win more than one game. I knew they'd be improved. I wasn't sure they'd get to bowl eligibility. They're going to get to bowl eligibility, but they're not ready to compete with the big boys yet. And Oregon's a big boy. They're, they're, they're going to show Colorado what it's like to get to that next level this weekend. I like Oregon, and I like Oregon big in, in, in this game at home. Dan Lanning in year two out in Eugene. Bo Nix in his fifth year there for Oregon. They're going to put up a lot of points on you, on Colorado, and I think they're going to get after uh, Shadur Sanders and, and the uh, Buffaloes this weekend. Colorado can't run the ball. They are completely one-dimensional. And Oregon will exploit that defensively. Colorado Colorado State started to, and they did for the majority of the game. Eventually, Colorado was able to get it going. I don't think that's going to be the case this weekend. I like Oregon, and I like Oregon big in this one. The battle for the Golden Boot, playing it early, playing it in September, I do not like this at all. I like this game late in the season. 
it bothered me when they moved it up uh, a few years back when when LSU started playing Texas A&M to close out the year, but I really do not like it in September at all. The LSU we saw against Mississippi State this past weekend, that LSU can win the SEC West. If we get that LSU consistently, then yes, I would say they're the favorites to win the SEC West over Alabama. Will we get that LSU consistently, though? That's my question, and that's why I haven't changed my SEC West prediction away from Alabama at this moment. Arkansas is coming off a loss to BYU at home. That's not good for Sam Pittman and this Arkansas program. They should be better than that. I've been high on Sam Pittman and the Hogs, but that can't happen. It just can't. And now you got to go to Death Valley for a rivalry game. They'll play better. They'll play better because it's a rivalry game. But on the road against LSU, it's not happening. I've got the Tigers in this one against the Razorbacks. And then Oregon State at Washington State. I've got another Pac-12 prediction in here. DJ Ui Ungalolele. Ooh, uh, struggled there. Still do. Uh, <laughs> at Washington State. Pl- um, playing really well now for the Beavers. Oregon State's a sleeper team in the Pac-12. I really believe Oregon State could call some chaos. Could end up being in the Pac-12 championship this game this year because of the, their style of play. But Washington State, led by quarterback Cam Ward, cannot be slept on their top 25 team now. This is going to be a challenging game, but I like Oregon State on the road over Washington State. And Iowa at Penn State. Quick pick here. I like Penn State in this one. I was has snuck into the top 25. Penn State, a team who could be a real threat to win the Big Ten this year. I like them at home. Then the biggest one of the week, Ohio State at Notre Dame. There's been a lot of question marks about Ohio State, about the Buckeyes this year. What kind of team is Ohio State going to be? Similar to the questions in Alabama. The quarterback situation has been frustrating for them. I think Kyle McCord is starting to get things figured out. Marvin Harrison Jr., the best wide receiver in college football, this Ohio State defense is the best it's been in a long time. But they got to go to South Bend. Sam Hartman in Notre Dame has looked really, really good this season. So I'm going to go Notre Dame at home over Ohio State. Ohio State can afford this loss more than Notre Dame can. Notre Dame still plays USC. They still have opportunities. I think they still play Clemson. they still got big games ahead of them. They can lose this game. But it makes it tougher because they don't have a conference championship game that they could play in. Ohio State loses this game. Their margin for error is thinner. But it's not as big of a deal for them as it is for the Fighting Irish. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, get it done at home in this one in week four. It's been great to be back on air this week. I appreciate you all tuning in and listening to Talking Tumors. I hope I'm wrong on my prediction. I think it is going to be a fun game, a competitive game on Saturday against Texas A&M. I hope Auburn's able to pull off the upset. We'll see what happens. Of course, we will have a full breakdown on next Monday's show, and we'll preview the Deep South's oldest rivalry next Monday. So make sure you're tuned in for then. Thank you for listening live. Thank you for listening on podcasts if you're listening there. Make sure to follow me on social media at Talking Tumors on Twitter, and on Instagram. 
Until then, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.